0: Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. I would like you to turn to two passages of scripture here uh, as we are on our third session here on the Second Coming Epistles. Let's turn to John's Gospel chapter 14 first of all, and both these references are on your notes here. I'd like to read that and then we're going to look at the passage in John 14 and the book of Acts chapter 1. And if you can endorse this statement of faith, I want a hearty amen after we're finished with it. We believe in the personal and bodily ascension of Jesus to heaven, his exaltation to the Father's throne, his intercessory ministry in behalf of the church and her ministry. We also believe in the personal, visible, and bodily return, the second time of our Lord Jesus Christ for his church. Amen. Amen. That's great. Underline those three words, the personal, the visible, and the bodily return. Personal, visible, and bodily. Okay, in John's Gospel, and remember in our previous session, we've said that there are over 300 references, I think about 318 references to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And I just forget how many, uh, one in every so many verses of the New Testament refer to the coming of Christ. And as we've seen together, the Old Testament saints look forward to the first coming of Christ, and we as New Testament saints look forward to the second coming of Christ. So in John chapter 14, and verses 1 and 2, uh, in fact uh, it should go to uh, verses 3. So just correct that on the And you note there, verses 3, 1 to 3. Jesus gives us one of these promises concerning his second coming. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also exactly the same way in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Where, Where has he gone to prepare a place? And many believe that Jesus is preparing a place for you. Amen. How many? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, so clear, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So a very clear promise of the Lord coming again. If I go, I will come again. So he's gone to prepare a place for us in his ascension. And uh, when he's prepared that place for us, he says, I will come again again. The second time, I've already come the first time, I will come again the second time and receive you unto myself. That'll be great for the Lord to receive us to himself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now let's go over the book of Acts chapter 1. And here in Acts chapter 1 we have the Lord Jesus ascending to heaven, going back to the Father's presence having uh, come the first time and completed his ministry and his death, burial and resurrection and now we have his ascension. Uh, just put up your hands if you need the, the first sheet here tonight. All right, Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. And after telling them to be witnesses for him, he, uh, it says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. What, just some little cloud floating around? It got out of orbit no i believe it was the glory cloud the shekinah cloud his divine transport and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men who do you think these two men could be behold two men two witnesses stood by them in white apparel where do they come from which also said ye men of galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven This same Jesus, not another Jesus, but the same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. How did he go into heaven? He went personally, visibly, bodily. And the same Jesus, and just for your own information, I believe those two men are the two men that we looked at in the book of Revelation the last couple of weeks. Two witnesses, Moses and Elijah. They have nothing to testify about unless they have a complete testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here, at the beginning of his ascension, these two men, mysterious men, they say he's going to come back again the second time, and he's going to come back as he went. He went away personally, visibly, bodily, from the Mount of Olives. He'll come back in like manner, in the same manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And then the book of Revelation uh, shows two men, mysterious men, his witnesses. And what do they witness of? Witness of, of his coming again. All right, now I just want to move quickly through the first section here. And then tonight we're mainly having a study on words, as we'll pick up in a moment here. Now, remember last week when we did the proton and the eschaton, we said that just as there are many many prophecies in the old testament concerning the coming of christ that he would come as rain he would come suddenly to his temple he would come Uh, Out of Judah he would come from Bethlehem. So many scriptures on his coming out of different places. And we said how as the scribes, the official interpreters of the word, tried to arrange all these various scriptures. How could he come out of Egypt? How could he come out of Bethlehem? How could he come out of Galilee? How could he come as rain? How could he come to the temple? And all these scriptures on his first coming. And we said that the New Testament arranged... Uh, by historical fulfillment all the unchronological prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ. And here we are as New Testament Saints we have a lot of scriptures. Christ is going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to come with a trumpet. He's going to come uh, as lightning. He's going to come with the angels. He's going to come, 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 come as we saw last week. And now we have the same difficulty of trying to arrange Uh, in chronological order what seems to be a group of unchronological prophecies and we all know that regardless of what I believe or you believe that Jesus coming the second time he will arrange by historical fulfillment all what seems to be unchronological scriptures to us concerning his second coming as he did on the first. Can you say amen to all that? All right. now I want to put on the overhead and I don't want to spend much time on this at all And to many of us, you may not think this means much. But because of schools I've had to handle and deal with, I want to just uh, have you note on your fill in there, false views concerning the coming of Christ. Because next week we're going to be dealing with, can Christ come as a thief in the night? How many believers coming as a thief in the night? Don't put up your hand, not tonight. Let me catch you next week. All right, so false views of the coming of Christ. Now there are those who do not believe in the personal, visible, bodily coming of Christ, our statement of faith. And so, just briefly on these views, I'm not going to comment on them too much. The first false view concerning the coming of Christ is this. They say the second coming of Christ takes place at conversion. Okay, that's your fill-in there. The second coming of Christ takes place at conversion. They say, when Jesus said, I will come to you, In John's Gospel, I will come to you, they say, well, when Christ comes into a person's heart and this person receives Christ as their personal Saviour, that is the coming of Christ. There's not any visible bodily personal coming, it's Christ coming into our heart. Now, we do accept that as a coming. When Jesus Christ comes into our hearts and lives, that is a coming, but it's not the second coming. Otherwise, uh, there's over 120 people or 30 people here tonight We've had hundred and thirty second comings here tonight already. How many uh, know that Jesus has come into your heart? Oh two or three, we'll have an older call, Uh, Richard, would you? Okay, right. so, but that's not the second coming. So he does come into our lives, and I'm I'm glad Christ has come into my life as spiritual coming. Christ in you, the hope of glory, but that's not the second coming. Now, as I said, this may not mean much to most of you. You may even laugh at some of these things, but there are people who love the Lord who believe these things because they don't believe in the second coming. All right, number two, the second false view of the coming of Christ is that the second coming of Christ took place on the day of Pentecost, and they use very similar scriptures, like uh, in John 16, which is on your note there, verse. No, is it? No, some might. Verse seven. Um, He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And then, later on in that same, uh, or the previous chapter, he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and and manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, unto him, If a man will love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So they say that when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, that that was the coming of the Lord. I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So they say the second coming of Christ took place on the day of Pentecost and there's no visible, personal, bodily coming of Christ. All right, now we do believe that the Holy Spirit came to people and we've experienced the Holy Spirit coming to us, but that's not the second coming. Can you say amen? How many think my writing is terrible? Amen. Thank you. That confirms what I've felt in my heart for many years. Okay, number three, (laughs) for you little tapeworms that was. Uh, Number three, the third false view of the coming of Christ is, and it hardly needs a comment, but uh, we need to make one brief one at least. They say the second coming of Christ takes place at a believer's death. That every time a believer dies, that Jesus comes for that believer and takes him to heaven and that that's the coming of Christ. Now, we believe that the angels take a a believer's spirit into the glory realm as we saw when we shared on Voices from Hell a few Sundays back. The angel carried Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. All right, so we don't believe that that is the coming of Christ. Number four, and this is a very strong one, particularly those who are in the millennium now and enjoying their thousand years of rest, tell me the devil's on a long chain till I tell them to pull it they say the coming of Christ took place in AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed and they use Matthew chapter 24 on that that Jesus would come again and he would come in judgment and destroy the city of Jerusalem and everything like that so they say the second coming of Christ took place in AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed number five Moving on, just touching these lightly. Number five, the, f- the fifth false theory of the coming of Christ is this, that it takes place, the second coming of Christ, uh, takes place in spiritual awakenings in the church. Uh, that he said, I will come unto you as the rain, and that when God pours out his Spirit, that that is the coming of Christ. Now, well, we say that is a coming, that Christ comes to His church in times of spiritual visitation, times of awakening, and uh, come to you as rain and the coming of the Lord uh, in a spiritual sense, spiritual renewal and refreshing. But that is still not the personal, visible, bodily coming of the Lord. Okay? Number six. Those who have bride pride, they like this one. They say the second coming of Christ uh, will be only to certain elect ones. The frozen few. The select of the, the elect. The bride pride company. And uh, it's not even hardly worth coming, uh, commenting, commenting on. Now it's number seven that we want to deal with tonight a little bit more fully and we'll be taking this up later on. Alright. One of the major views concerning the coming of Christ which I believe is a false view is that his coming is in two phases: C, uh, A, a secret coming, the rapture, and B, the open coming, the revelation. Now, moving right on to section B here, I'd like you to fill in some of the uh, portions of the diagram. Now this is what we refer, basically, as you see on your notes there. This is basically the dispensational view. Uh, promulgated by Darby and Scofield who are both dead and no better now. And if you have a Scofield Bible I'll forgive you because I've got one, I've got my (laughs) mother-in-law's. Alright now so it's this number 7 we're looking at. Does the Bible teach that the coming of Christ is in two phases? Is there a secret coming and is there an open coming? Let's fill in, I'll fill in on the board here. And if I upset your theological and eschatological apple carts or tread on your theological corns, we'll have a healing meeting at the end. We've had some good healings on corns lately. Okay, now the dispensational view, which Brother Holland doesn't hold. <laughs> nor me. <laughs> All right, they say here that the first aspect of the coming is the, the secret coming of Christ. So you fill in on your little diagram there and then you look after your notes better. Okay, they say there is a secret coming of Christ and that this coming of Christ is for his saints. Now, we read that last week that Christ would come for his saints, okay? They say the secret coming of Christ for his saints and that this takes place in the rapture. Now I probably ought to qualify this because we're letting this out on tape as I get older you get colder and I'm taking the risk. Now I'm not rapturing the rapture. And we believe in a rapture. But not a sneaky one. (laughs) Not a secret one. Are you breathing? Now, I don't know what any of you believe. Actually, I don't care. I mean, you know, Bob Mumford says I can't help it if I'm right. It's not my fault. Okay? So, they say there's a secret coming for his saints, the rapture. And that in this secret coming of Christ, he comes, put this on your little notes there, he comes as a thief. We're going to see next week, he's a mighty noisy thief. comes as a thief in the night. We think of that fantastic. How many people have seen that film, Thief in the Night? How many think it's fantastic? You know, you're flying along on the jumbo jet and all of a sudden Jesus comes and the pilot disappears and you know, you're on the highway and then your wife disappears and you're left driving there. You think, oh, why did she go up and not me? You just keep driving on, uh, crashes everywhere. Absolutely amazing film. Anyway, it scared some people into the kingdom, so praise God. <laughs> and then there's the open coming, the visible personal coming of Christ, the open, where Christ is openly manifest. And then in this coming they say he comes, and, and listen, saints, please. I, you know, I may have a little sense of humor on this but I used to believe this for years. I had tremendous anointings on this, till I found I was wrong. And I remember when my wife and I, and I was uh, ministering in Bendigo and uh, we used to go out in the street meetings there and uh, preach away there, play the piano accordion. Uh, Joyce was the pianist, I was the pastor. And the pastor ran off with the pianist, it was marvelous. And, uh, you know, when some people would say now, Jesus is coming any moment, the rapture could be on. And if we're not here next Sunday, you know the rapture's taken place and you're left behind for the seven years tribulation. And the Antichrist is going to grab you and he's going to put the beastly mark on you. And of course, we wouldn't turn up next Sunday. but neither did Jesus. And that was 35, 40, oh don't talk about it. Years ago, tremendous anointings. How many identify with this? Alright, so we had the open coming and in this coming Christ comes with His saints. And here in this coming, He comes not as a thief, but he comes as a king. King of kings and Lord of lords. So he's a thief and a king. He's a thieving king. Absolutely amazing revelation this. And of course, between these two comings, the secret coming and the open coming, this was called the rapture. This was called the revelation. (laughs) Oh dear Lord, help me. this was called the revelation. And uh, so under these tremendous anointings we said between these two comings the secret one and the open one there were seven years tribulation the Antichrist but we dear saints we would be up in heaven and we would be enjoying the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb and we'd be up in heaven Shooting down things from heaven, hitting the Antichrist on the head, and everything. Marvellous. Now, that looks a very good picture, doesn't it? Just the sad part is it's wrong. All right, I want you to go to section C. On your notes there. i've given you five particular words greek words that deal or pertain to the coming of christ and if i can find my notes here we'll sort it out now i want you to put down the bottom just a little fill in two words there and we're going to go through these words and uh I've gone through every reference to the coming of Christ and the various Greek words that are used, and my conclusion is this. After having been a strong Schofield man for many years, uh, my conclusion of this is we're going to see together a study of these words. Now the bottom fill-in there, I'm giving you the fill-in first before we look at the words. A study of these words together and the events pertaining to such all confirm the truth that there is only one coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to go to number five first of all, and uh, you'll see why I'm doing this by the time we're through. Okay, number five. I want you to go to word number five. Pronounce something like Urkamai. And I want you to turn over, and what I want you to do here, I've got to watch that time because it keeps flying, um, I want you to put down some scriptures where these uh, words are particularly used as I give you a definition of the word, and uh, three of the major words are on this sheet, this uh, sheet that you got here tonight that Paul uses, and as we've seen together, it's the Pauline Revelation, the Pauline Eschatology, Deals with the order of events, as I understand it. Okay, of the events con- uh, concerning the second coming of Christ, which we're building up. And remember, I use this so many times in in conventions, and it's important to keep in mind. I am a jigsaw puzzle teacher. I mean, you know that, and I like to lay out all the parts first. And if you're putting the puzzle together, you don't force the parts. If you force the parts, you distort the picture. If you come across parts that you don't know where they fit, put them on the shelf. As a man told me many years ago, stick it on the shelf. And then bit by bit i have been pulling parts off the shelf and think, oh yeah, this fits. So we're looking at the picture of the coming of the Lord and we don't want to force the parts or distort the Scriptures. If I say things you don't agree with, just put it on the shelf. I may be right, okay? And, uh, And bit by bit you'll just see everything just locks and interlocks and say, wow, that's the clearest I've ever seen, that thing okay so we're building our puzzle over our 10 weeks uh, term here and uh so be patient with me week by week okay all right now we want to go to number five and i'd like you to look at matthew's gospel chapter chapter 24 here matthew 24 and i want you to put some scriptures along each of these words here as we go through all right matthew chapter 24 Now as we go through these words, we're going to see that all these words pertain to the coming of Christ, but I show that there's only one coming. There's no such thing as a secret coming, or the secret rapture of Christ coming for his saints, as we'll see. And we'll do this more when we do next week on The Thief and the Night. Okay, in Matthew chapter 24 verses 5, let me give you the verses first of all so you can take them down. Verses 5, 30, 39, 42, 44, 46, 48. I'll just run through them quickly again. Verse 5, verse 30, 39, 42, 44, 46, 48. And then one other one from Matthew chapter 25 and verse 6 chapter 25 verse 6 now what i want you to pick up with me this is what's very interesting the main two words concerning the coming of christ in matthew 24 are number two parousia and number five urchimai the main three words that are used in thessalonians concerning the coming of christ Is number one Apocalypsis? uh, number two Parousia and number three Epiphania something like that. They're the main three words in Thessalonians Uh, but in in Matthew number two and number five are the two main words a couple of other words are used but these are the major ones that are used. All right let's just read and uh, perhaps I'll give you a brief definition of the word here. The word erkamai is just the general verb To come and it just refers simply to the coming of Christ that's all just to come it's a general word or the general verb to come so it's just simply referring to the coming of Christ or of any other person just uh, it's the simplest word all right listen to Matthew 24 verse 5 for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and deceive many okay false Christ coming just a general word for coming. Verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming. Urkamai. Er- coming. How? In the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We'll be picking up these later, uh, subsequent studies. So coming. Verse 39. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse, uh, go down to 43, 44, just because of time. Therefore, uh, know this, that if the good man of the house had known and watched the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken into or broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Verse uh, forty. Eight. but if and if but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart my lord delayeth his coming chapter 25 verse 6 and at midnight there is a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh Go you out to meet him. So it's just a very simple word used many, many times, and it's just simply speaking of a person to come. The Antichrist is going to come. False Christ is going to come. Jesus is going to come. uh, uh, Paul says, I'm going to come. It's just a general word for coming. Okay, but it's used uh, a number of times in Matthew 25, or 24 particularly. Okay, now I want us to go to number two here and the word that's used here in these verses is uh, parousia is that how you pronounce it parousia something like that okay and you've got the definition of it on your notes there by definition of the greek word parousia here a being near or presence and it's simply translated coming and we'll go to the Thessalonians in a moment okay a being near Or presence. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. So put your scriptures along this one. Give you several scriptures here. And you'll just have to be patient with me on this. But what I'm trying to prove here is that there is no Greek word that's used to prove a secret coming or rapture. That every Greek word is used referring to the open second coming of Christ. The one coming of Christ, not two comings—a secret one and an open one. That's what I'm—I'm I'm trying to uh, prove here. Okay, uh, Perusia, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, Parousia, Not Urkamai now, but Parousia, Your presence. Your coming you're being near. Verse 27 and you'll notice just the content of these verses show nothing secret about it. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west so shall also the parousia of the Son of Man be. That's pretty bright coming, doesn't look too secret to me. Lightning coming from east shining to the west so shall also the parousia of the Son of Man be, the coming. Verse 37, same Greek word. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming, the parousia, the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 39, and knew not until the flood came And took them all away so shall also the coming the parousia of the Son of Man be the flood wasn't very secret it was very open and visible so we have those words there and I'd like to give you a couple of other scriptures here to show you that this word parousia actually means a being near one present as actually the bodily presence the bodily presence. And that's why we've said in our statement we believe in the personal, visible, and bodily return of the Lord. Let me give you a couple of other scriptures that use the same Greek word. We'll go over to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. And uh, we haven't got uh, time to go through this, but in my own notes I went through uh, New England's Greek, so forth, and I put a... Ref- uh, put a just on these four columns here, every reference to Apocalypto, Apocalypsis, Parousia, Epiphania, Epiphania, and so forth, uh, Phano, Phenero, pheniro, ah, something like that. The four Greek words, not because there's so many of that, that are used for the coming. And every one of them show what we're talking about tonight. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians 7, And the thing is, what you have to realize is this, that there are those who do believe in the rapture and they've tried to, those who, the school who does believe in a secret coming, have tried to use some Greek word to prove it. But when you look at the Greek word in the verse context, passage context, it's always to do with his open, visible coming, not a sneaky one, by any means. It's a pretty noisy one. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 6, and here we have the same Greek word, Nevertheless God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. The parousia, the coming of Titus. Titus bodily, visibly, personally being there. And verse 7, the same Greek word, And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. So Titus, bodily, personal coming, his bodily presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. And here the Greek word, this word parousia, is translated and sets out very clearly it's the bodily presence of the Lord. Here it's referring to Paul. 2 Corinthians 10.10 10 you can put with that. Uh, For his letters say they are weighty and powerful but his parousia, his bodily presence. That's the Greek word there, his parousia, his bodily presence. And that's what what the word means. So when we're talking about the coming of the Lord, as the lightning and so forth, his bodily presence, being near. So it's the same Greek word. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, But his bodily presence, his parousia, when he's present with us, visibly, personally, bodily, he's weak, uh, he's weak, uh, and his speech contemptible. One translation says on that, and I like it very much, Paul says, As a preacher I amounted to nothing, but at least I knew what I was talking about. That's on that verse. Let's go to our the last word, and we'll pick this up next week, okay, sir? So, because we want to stick to our time. Let's go to number four, "ah," something like that, and you. And it means oh, you need the definition of this. The word forneiro, something like that, means to appear, or literally to be seen. To appear, and or to literally be seen. All right, let me give you two or three scriptures on this before we bring our study to a close tonight. John chapter 1. So every reference to this. As I said, I've got every reference out of the uh, concordance on, on here and I'm just giving you two or three examples. But if you're a student, you want to prove these things. Okay, search the Word. See if these things be so. John chapter 21. Listen to this. John chapter 21 and verse 1 and 14. So the word phenero, phenero, something like that means to appear or literally to be seen. So John 21 verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again. Phenero. He showed himself. Well, was that invisible? No, he showed himself in his glorified, resurrected body. He showed himself visibly, personally. Ah, bodily, that's the thing. He showed himself again to the disciples and on this wise, same Greek word, showed he himself. Verse 14, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself. For Nero, he showed himself to his disciples. So in the post-resurrection appearances of the Lord, how many believe that Jesus showed himself personally, visibly, bodily? How many believe that? That's the word that's used here concerning the coming of Christ. And then just uh, two, uh, three scriptures I'll give you. We'll only look up one. Colossians 3 verse 4. Colossians 3 verse 4. In fact, I'll give you the references and just uh, pick one of them. Colossians 3 verse 4. Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews 9.26. And 1 Peter 5.4. Let's look at the Hebrews 9.26 as we conclude here. And these are just some of the references. If you want to check this out, get your Strong Syncordance, get New England's Greek, and check these words. Okay, Hebrew, what did I say? Hebrews 9.26. All right, so, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared, he appeared to put away sin, By the sacrifice of himself, he appeared. Okay, so when Christ came the first time, he appeared visibly, bodily, personally. It's used of the first coming, it's used of the second coming. Christ appeared personally, bodily, visibly the first coming. He will appear personally, bodily, and visibly the second coming. Come back next week for this exciting episode. Let's all stand. Have you understood these things? I didn't say have you agreed with them. I said have you understood them? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege of coming together, sharing of your word. You said man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We thank you, Lord, that we can draw aside from the activities of life and just be fed with spiritual manner the bread of heaven your word help us as we continue in this series together and lighten our understanding uh, looses from the traditions of men that bind and have robbed the church over so many years lord of the purpose that you have for the church in the earth let your presence be with us and father we just pray for our brother and sister mcdonald lord as they lost their little one uh, this baby father we just pray for them as a couple that you'll just comfort them and Uh, just surround them with your presence in this time of sorrow father we do not understand these things father but our times are in your hands and we just pray that you'll comfort them with your comfort in the precious name of our lord jesus christ and all god's people said amen god bless you look forward to seeing you on the weekend we hope you enjoyed today's teaching be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access pdf downloads of all of kevin connor's books As well as his video training courses, including the Key of Knowledge Seminar and Foundations of Christian Doctrine.